the Damaged Goods Podcast. Talk about it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I just got this idea. Together. I'm listening to you. you oh, go. for sure. Yeah, so I just got this idea um, by going through old hard drives and old computers. I just, uh, I was working on an archive project last November and December for uh, a project that went to Sundance. Oh, look at and, you. Nice yeah, name drop. Early on the podcast. Right, exactly. Just right out the gate. <laughs> and um, the director and editor were super pro. Like, they had been nominated for an Academy Award before. And so I learned so much in a really short amount of time. And I watched their creative process, and I was like, shit, you know what? Like, the, the way that they're really visually layering things. And I think... Uh, I'm more of a sound guy. So my visual sense in general yeah. take, has taken longer to develop. And I was just watching the, the way that they were cutting this film because it was the subject was dead. So they couldn't go back and interview this person. They couldn't, like, oh, yeah. there was no contemporary footage. So it was all history. And of course, a lot of films are made. They have, relied right? heavily on the archival shit. But I was very, very, uh, in a short amount of time, I was very in close to see how all this was going on. I was like, you know what? Like, I've had this crazy life and I want to remember things and I have a pretty great memory but I, I just remember that I had this treasure trove of like photos and videos and I didn't know what happened to it oh, no. and so uh, my wife can't stand that I'm a, a little bit of a hoarder I'm like a little a, bit like what how, what's a little bit out of 10 I'm a grade two it's not like, bad how many guitars do you have that you never play Probably five or six, but they're okay. in the they're in the garage in cases. Oh, okay, not that's out. fine. That's I not do right. have, I do have like boxes some, of newspapers. No? Okay, so I do have. You do have the newspapers, but fuck that was a, the crazy <laughs> thing about newspapers is that I have newspapers from like the late '90s where I had my first professional writing gigs. Oh, all right, that's so different, again, dude, that's collectible, right? Exactly. Sorts. I have random Do- like documentation uh, of your accolades. I have the Boston Globe from uh, September 12, two thousand one. I have like the New yeah. York Times from the day that uh, Saddam Hussein, Hussein was uh, executed. Okay, so you're or collecting captured. more like like just um, random like and there's no there's no real rhyme or reason to some of them, and so I just found it and held on to them, and these are things that have gone with me. Around the world and back. You bought, brought these magazines to like, to like other well, I've, countries. Well, I've clipped them down. It's not too bad. Like, it, it, I'm not that bad of a hoarder, but the okay. point is. Yeah, that sorry, I, man. Do yeah, we just get off track with the hoarding thing? The hoarding thing is a whole different thing. And so I, but I also found hard drives that were inoperable that I had restored. I found a couple computers that I had from 2006 to 2008 before I even moved out of the States to go to China. So it actually kind of tied a lot of things back oh, in for it's, me. Yeah, it's like your lineage, dude. Yeah, and so I was thinking about some of the the stories and the moments that went into them. I was like, you know, these are really obscure, fun, random stories that have touched certain people who were there, but I think that they're a little bit more universal. Like, people will enjoy it. And I'll certainly enjoy the, um, the experience because it kind of reinvigorated me yeah. creatively. I, I went ah. from... I went from almost like negative to like 120 over, not overnight, but you know, seemingly overnight. Cause I was working for other, with other artists and learning their process and seeing what they were doing. And then I was quickly applying it to my own life and whatever I want to do. And so I had been in this phase of like not making music for years, not really. Well, that's what I was, I was going to ask, like, did, you know, though, I think one of the last times I saw you and saw you, I mean, as my guest, he's a writer, he's an artist, a musician. And apparently a lot more. Um, my main man, Dan Shapiro. Last time I saw you, or I remember seeing you, it was you guys were playing, your band was playing in Silver Lake at, at one venue on Sunset. Uh, El Cid. Yeah, El Cid, because I've seen a bunch of bands there. So you, before you got reinvigorated, if I don't mean, I just want to take you back a little quick. What made you go negative? Like you said, like what, did you stop feeling inspired with the band and the music? You know what, I think that sometimes... 
life can be a dead end for real. Yeah, and so sucked your soul right out of you. Uh, I went from intense inspiration for years, traveling around the world and, and mm. feeling temporary at all times. So everything was flying off the cuff. And then when I got to LA, life sort of... Uh, this is a great advertisement for Los Angeles. You know what? Life kind of <laughs> got real. You know, after living in Asia where things were cheap and you were mobile and like, you know... What parts of Asia were you in? I lived in Shanghai for six years and I was in central China for a year before that. Mm. And all of a sudden, it's like, shit, you know, like, I got to deal with American life again. And American life is not yeah. the most pleasant from what you can gather, right? If you've like, lived in another country, um, your perspective on it is completely different. Um, and yet, it's still, I still enjoy living here, you know? Yeah, and I'm here. glad to be back, and I'm glad that I figured my shit out. But it just took me a little while. And so I was running in all the wrong directions. I was running to try and be safe and stable. So like I economically, you mean? Yeah, okay. absolutely. And then, uh, obviously art and that don't usually go hand they in hand. They don't. And so I had put out, I had put out like four albums in the span of 10 years with different groups. And I was just kind of spent because in in general, I was the lead, I was leading all these different bands, putting them together. So you're also playing manager, you're playing producer, you're playing writer, you're playing artist. But not necessarily, like producer, I, I know what I'm going for in my head, yeah, but I that always was working with someone behind uh, of the Of course, behind but I mean like you're producing the sure. ideas, the concepts yeah. for the songs, you know. And so all of a sudden, it was the it was the wrong move. I was chasing the wrong thing. And everything was going poorly until the pandemic in some way. The pandemic is the thing that got me to have to stop and understand that I needed to change everything. One man's trash, another man's yeah, treasure. It is really crazy, you know, and I, I definitely felt for humanity in general, like people who were struggling in it, because I actually was totally kicking ass through the whole thing. Yeah. And, um, and it was awkward and everything, but you know, it, 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 was, it was a great thing. And so, in the last two years, I moved out of downtown, like we were talking about. And in some way, living in a larger space kind of helped me more, unpack more, more things. You know, th those boxes of the, the yeah, things that newspapers. I was collecting, they weren't like stashed in one place. They were, you know. So now you had a chance to go through them? Exactly. And, you know, the, the, way that, the way that the internet culture works in a lot of ways, which is kind of annoying, is that everything is a cycle of like year over year. Like people are... I don't know. This year is the 40th anniversary of some shit. You oh, know, dude, every, every single week, day, a stupid anniversary, yeah, an arbitrary and, number of some album. And the thing is, like, as stupid as it is, when there are things that you like and appreciate, you get stoked on it. You're like, oh <laughs> man, I fucking love ACDC Back in Black. You know what I mean? Like, you know, just anytime, anytime something like that triggers your memory. And so for me, I started. Um, there was this random project that I had at the end of my time in China where I. Uh, created an MMA promotion with the Chinese government. I'm not the, the principal behind it. I worked for the guy who did it, but like very, very closely. And there was, it was not a pleasant ending in some way. And with uh, you and the gentleman you were working with? Yeah, yeah. And the truth is he was kind of a, a really good guy to me, but just, you know, at the very end, things went wrong and, uh, and he passed away. Mm. And so I had some uh, internal thing I needed to kind of make peace with about it. Because you didn't really get closure with that situation? Well, you know what? Before he passed away, I sent him an email. Oh, shit. Uh, you clearing, fly. clearing the air and, and, you know, explaining that I was really appreciative of him, of him and for the experience that he kind of, you know, brought me along on the ride for. And I always hoped that he had read it because since then, a lot of things have started to pick up in some way. And, uh, and he still has a son and various business partners. And so... 
um, they're people who I actually really enjoyed my experience with. So I, I wrote this story kind of looking back on it in a very positive way. And I shared it online. And, uh, and it kind of cleared a lot of things up for me. And then all of a sudden, you know, um, while I love making music and I work in film now, I've worked in television in various capacities, all those things are, are great. I enjoy doing them and we'll do more of them. But writing is where I started as a kid, even before I met you, even yeah. before I went to North Mount Hermon, yeah. I was already writing professionally for a newspaper in Look Trenton, New Jersey. You know? Okay. And so uh, I had always written other people's stories, right? That, that's what sort of being a journalist or, you know, that, that type of profile writer was. But... I have my own fun anecdotes that are, you know, I think they're great. And yeah. so um, just one thing led to the next, and I found all these, uh, like, pictures and, 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 you know, various things from hard drives. And I was like, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually execute this. And as I was going through things and archiving them, using this whole, like, archival professional technique that I learned from these filmmakers and just really, really sorting things to lay them out, I realized that I actually had a recording session that never was finished. And so all of a sudden, the idea of like uh, music was re-entered uh, into the picture. You know, writing became film, became yeah. writing, became, you know, music. And the thing is, all the guys who played on that recording, I'm still totally with them. You know, like we all live in different countries now, but that's just kind of how the world works. So, uh while I'm still like making a, you know, having a living in, in LA and like, you got to hustle here, man. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's a little bit ridiculous. I, I needed my own project, you know? And so, um, so yeah, I'm just like, just bursting That's with dope, it right dude. now, man. Bursting it's it's with it. like, uh, man, if for someone who's not a creative or an artist, um, I don't know how to describe that feeling, but when you do get that natural flow of inspiration it's like lightning going through your veins and i mean like i've i've been compelled to get out of bed and write stuff down or i don't have a computer or whatever I'm, uh, on my phone or before i was really carrying cell phones i'd write music like like on a napkin or whatever or just memorize a, a couple words in my head over and over because it's just like oh you gotta do it and that's the best because sometimes you know you, you like as a journalist you're doing some writing like that you can get paid to do gigs but your heart might not always be in it but whatever there's there's a check but that's that's but when it's real. like fucking go oh, I got to do this I got to do I want to do this you see the whole like vision the entire image in your head of your what you want it to be like in the end and then it's like putting a puzzle together uh which I that's like my favorite part I love that you know the the amazing thing is is that also when quicksand came out I was like fuck man Jake's got a book like I, I know you really as a as a rapper yeah, as a musician, and, and that's mostly like you were saying uh, you too know? about transitioning like I used to write like poems turn into music, turn into books, you know? Yeah, and so I was like, dude, like, this guy is is doing it. Like, why am I not doing it? You know, like, all these things. Yeah, there, dude, there was... that's, that's like the nicest thing someone said all week. Now it feels good. Now no, I feel a little motivated. No, but you're you're about to do the third book, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been, like, writing other paid gigs and, and slowing up the last one, but anyway. Yeah, it's, um, you know, you're not my only uh, friend who is creative. I have, actually, I have friends sure, in so yeah. many different creative fields, and doing this kind of reconnected me with myself, you know? And so I actually started reaching out to all these different people who I've been working on things. And the truth is the company that I keep for the most part, a lot of people are like working on great stuff in AI and music and film, uh, you know, writing, like it's just, it goes across the board. Yeah. And so I think that there's, I, I don't know what it is about me and like the United States, but like <laughs> for a long time, I felt like the United States kind of keeping me down, you know, like, cause yeah. I had seen I how see. magical it can be to live elsewhere and like you just go for it. 
And, and I don't know, I can't explain why you go for it in some places and why you don't go for it in others. But then in the end, I was like, this is stupid. You know, like you just gotta, you gotta produce something every day. You know, there's yeah, a lot of that's a, that's a strong, diligent uh, regimen. There's a lot of execution that goes into it, and I can't say that I achieve that every single day because there's, I mean, you know, like I would say at least three days a week I have to do something. You know what I mean? Like I have yeah. to write some words, or I've been big into outlining. To be honest with you, I think outlining has. Uh, I do like loose outlining sometimes, and, and it kind of just gets the ideas out of your head on the papers. You know, oddly enough. Um, so I, everyone spends too much time on social media, for sure. Yeah. I spent like I I spend too much still, but I know people spend way yeah, time yeah. on social media. It'll get you, dude. And I saw this video. I, I'm pretty sure it was a video with Sylvester Stallone, and Sylvester Stallone really gave great advice, which was the first draft really is the hardest, and so just get it out. Like it doesn't have to be the best. Just get out what you want to do, what you want to say, where you want to go. And he was talking specifically about the script for Rocky. Yeah. Is I, that the only thing he wrote? Did or, I, did, or did you? Any I other mean, movies? if it's the only thing he wrote, I mean, no, it's a good. It's, a, it's not. It's a good one. I'm just curious if he wrote any other ones because I, I know sure he directed he and wrote that. I'm then, sure uh, he. I'm sure he has written other things. I mean, Sylvester Stallone is incredible to think that like, you know, he did Rocky and like what Rocky has become as yeah, an institution, yeah, yeah. like incredible. And, um, but that advice is really good. It's just like, just get something down, you know? So I have, I have calendars already with like stories like that I'm doing month by month. So that's kind of how I'm, I'm forcing myself to get it out rather every year at New Year's. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to write a book this year and I never do it because I wait for some big idea, you know? And so at this point I was like, you know what? One story a month, I get 12 to 18 short stories that have some kind of themed thread yeah. through them. That is a book and at least yeah. I've produced it. And that has led me to the next creative project right now, which is already like uh, finishing. Um, it's probably going to be like a split seven inch with a group in China oh, because that's, um, and then maybe like an EP after that. Like I have to see, I actually still don't know everything that is on this recording session. It's, it's, Oh, like, this is the one you found. Yeah. It's the one I found. It's finished. like, it's, it's probably EP length from what I can gather, but I need to actually like get the session in approach, like, take yeah. all the files, get them in a Pro Tools session and see like how many takes are there. And all, you know, if it can become something else, I don't know, probably just like finish the songs as they are. But yeah, so, so what I'm doing is I'm using Substack to publish one yeah. story a month. And, and you're, it's like you're, um, you're exercising your muscle, like your creative muscle, your writing muscle. You know, they say, yeah, use it or lose it. Or, you know, like the more you work out, the better in shape you are. I find that to be exactly true. Like what you're saying, the more I do anything creative, the better I'm at it and the more I almost want to do it. You know, the more I surf, the more I want to surf. You take a little time off of it or you're not feeling it. You don't, I don't know. It's like uh, with writing the same thing. I don't, I don't feel as sharp. You know, I mean, I don't sound very oh, sharp yeah. right now. It's eight in the morning. Cut me some slack, but it's, it's essential. And, um, and being focused. One thing I told myself this year, right around New Year's, was I need to write with intention, you know? Because mm. I could aimlessly write, like, I can just aimlessly write. You, you put me in front of a computer, yeah, I can same. just go. But it, then it just becomes dribble. It's not, it, yeah. there's no direction there, you know? <laughs> there's no rambling. There's no irony, you know? Do, you, do you ever, I'm oh, sorry to cut you no. off, but you just made me think of something. Do you ever write from like, an emotion like uh, more of a I don't mean like a like cynical or like angry or like sometimes when I'm feeling hurt betrayed angry um, you know mad depressed uh, disappointed in greater things than just myself or myself that's when I get my, some of my biggest motivation to write you know what I'm not I'm not in an angry phase right now I'm actually in a rather joyous part of my life oh um, and I don't mean like in general I've, I mean like I've, if some I've matter been there, gets you angry um, 
I've been there in the angry part of my artistic journey, and it's definitely been very, very uh, bountiful and plentiful because you got a, you know, I mean, you got a lot of rage that you got to yeah. get out, and it doesn't have to necessarily be rage, but I mean, yeah. yeah. And so I've definitely experienced that, and it, and it's some of it's some of the better work I've produced in certain ways, yeah. but at least it showed some artistic evolution. Yeah, you know, that's important. I feel you. I mean, no, I don't think you have to be coming from a negative space always to create. I mean, like with comedians, people always assume the best comedians are fucking super sad, depressed, and like borderline suicidal. And like some comedians would be like, nah, you can write fucking hilarious shit and not be like totally down. Um, I, like I definitely noticed my best shit or the most naturally inspired prolific work comes from kind of rough times or whatever. But there's times where I'm like, I, I don't take it as seriously when I'm when I'm in a more joyous mood or I'm like, you know, kind of, I don't know, it's a little easier to do the work and it, you know, might as well just be as good. Yeah, you know, um, that's interesting. It's just not part of my creative process at the moment, so it's even tough for me to like get there, You just right? zen the fuck out, baby. Well, it's just, in some sense, like because I'm do feeling- Do you levitate like, when you write? Do I levitate? No, no, no. I'm, I'm in deep concentration for sure. And No uh, music? No jazz in the background? Probably not. No, that's good. Probably yeah. not. Like, at this point, maybe maybe Mozart. That's nice. That's um, like very... Uh, Bukowski used to listen to classical shit when he wrote. In, I ha in, the, in the car that... Uh, in my car, I can only listen to the radio. I don't have like a control panel. The CD player is broken from using it too much. <laughs> so I just keep it on KUSC. I just have it classical all the time because oh, I get crazy road rage. So oh, it yeah, you got it, Zed. Now you're like, yeah, yeah. <sighs> and I, you know, I come from a classical music background. So actually it's, oh, yeah. you know, I, I really enjoy classical music and I try to go to the LA Phil um, oh, a that's decent tight. amount. I was in the, this is a, actually, this is a fun little nugget. Tell me, give me a nugget. I was watching the LA Philharmonic in March of 2015, and there was an earthquake. And like where, the, where at? At the Walt Disney Con Concert Hall, okay. downtown. There was a legit earthquake, something like a six. So you can definitely feel it. Actually, the way that that, it's a, uh, who is it? Uh, the architect? Frank Geary, right? Who, who made the, yeah, the building? Yeah, I'm not going to pretend like I know. That's okay. I'll, <laughs> I'll pretend like I know. And the, the, it's built on rollers. You could see the building oh, move. Wow, but don't they do that, right? Right. Purposely? But the orchestra didn't miss a beat. They That's played through, and like there was an audible gasp. People got up and like ran, like yeah. people were freaking oh, out. Wow. Orchestra just crushed it, man. Yeah, they yeah. mad professional. I saw them play with um, Steely Dan. I took my mother to the bowl for her birthday years ago. It was like Steely Dan, the Philharmonic, and somebody else opened. But yeah, they're, they're like tight. It was a good show. Good time. That sounds like a good time. So like you're you're all about the deep concentration. Do you know like you know when like this sounds corny? I don't want to sound like uh, a lot of other podcasts, but like the flow state, like you know they talk about certain people, whether athletes, creative people, you get into like this super hyper focus where you're just it's clicking, you're just totally zoned out from anything else. You, that's yeah. where you kind of go. And at this point, I don't need Adderall for it, oh. <laughs> dude. You know, like uh, were you always aid quote unquote ADD? Like I wasn't. I have to tell you, I have not touched Adderall in like. Was it a recreational touch or were you prescribed? Both. Oh, okay. And yeah. I'm sure that I could credit my my college degree to the makers of Adderall, but I haven't used it since like yeah, I don't, 20 years ago. You I'm know not what into, I mean? yeah, I don't like, the, it's an amphetamine. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah no, it's, it's not I my thing, but it, when you realize how much people use it, like in millennial generation and beyond, like, I kind of thought it was yeah. over. I mean, it, it's, but, uh, yeah. Dude, I remember when it was Ritalin. 
when I was sure. in high school. Because, I mean, they tried to get me on that because I was ADD, but my mother was like, no, he's fine. Uh, so I never, you know, took it prescription-wise. But then Adderall became the next one that was, like, everybody, you know, professionals. I've definitely put together some furniture on some Adderall. I definitely learned that whole Fuck culture. Fuck you, Ikea. I definitely learned that whole culture over late nights on the second floor of some anime North shit. Cross. Well, that's, like, that's sure. the first time you meet, like, 100 kids. They're all on Ritalin. You're like, what the fuck? Yeah, I... I never, I never really knew about that at all. Yeah. And you know what? You get into some intense conversations, and you do, <laughs> and you and you read a lot, and uh, it, it, and you do your schoolwork. Yeah, and you I, get I it wrote done some and, college papers on Adderall, long, long papers. But it's not a, it's not a party drug, and yeah, you know, uh, definitely not. I do like creating the work in a rather sober mood. If I know I'm nearing the end of a, a story. I'll crack a beer because you know, like there's oh, a there's so, a writing so. element to it, but there's also kind of a graphic design layout element, at least in the form that it is now. You know, like, so you got to be a little sharper for that. On I wouldn't say sharper. I just like at that point, I'm I'm changing moods. Like I'm not necessarily a graphic person first, so just trying to understand like how to pair words to images and then lead a narrative to get mm. someone um, interested to continue reading. Right, like uh, like you were talking about using your muscle and writing you know, all the time. Also reading is essential. And yeah, so good reader makes a good writer. You know, it's crazy. I am currently reading a book. It's called Dante's Indiana. Uh, it's a novel and I don't read a ton of novels. I'll usually read more nonfiction, yeah. but, uh, but reading it, throwing same. a novel in there once in a while. It's good to mix it up. It's good Especially for your storytelling skills. It's written by this guy. Uh, he's a Canadian writer called Randy Boyagoda who happened to be my teacher at Boston University. He was like a grad student teaching. And somehow I just like thought of the guy. I was like, I wonder what ever happened to him because he was trying to be a writer. And I, I was listening to some John Cougar Mellencamp. And he was always <laughs> talking about John Cougar Mellencamp. And I was like, I wonder what happened to that John guy. Cougar Mellencamp. And I looked him up and he's super successful um, oh, in the sure. academic world. But also he has like four or five novels. I was like, I'm going to pick this up. And it's really good. It's good. So um, again, like the the company that you keep, that's just sort of a random thing because it's someone who was a, a teacher of mine. But I've had some good teachers in the past. So, so. Um, yeah, you know, it's you, you got to stay active. You know, like you wanna you wanna produce. You also need to ingest. Yeah, you know, I think it's really important for unless you're maybe a journalist strictly, but if you're a writer or storyteller, whether you're putting that into books, songs, and film, you gotta live a life to have. Like if you're telling your own stories or, or whatever these, or you can turn them into other stories and you know fictional tales. But those experiences are the best material, the best inspiration. I feel like if you're just say you're just writing about the news, you're a journalist. That's fine. You can like be at the desk all day and go check the news and go talk to your sources. Or if you're covering something like, but and like they they don't really write about much more than like the the issue at hand, the topic. But you know, I think to be a storyteller, you have to live. You and like you've lived, you live like you've done a lot of different shit, a lot of shit creatively, personally. You've traveled, you've seen things, you've experienced, you've felt shit, and that I think translates into good writing. And you know, you gotta you gotta keep going, right? Like the, it's another really interesting piece of advice that I found on the internet on social media. See, it's um, not all bad. It's not. It's, it's not all bad. It's Mostly not, bad. Eighty, ninety-five percent bad. But I have to tell you, it's not all bad. But like. If if I'm a millennial, I'm the oldest millennial there is because yeah. I'm like I'm, I'm, I'm technically I'm, a millennial. I'm almost forty two years old. Yeah, right. We're, so we're on the like, we're on right the very cusp, cusp. Right? But cusp. I grew up with older friends. Gen my, X dudes. My sister is older, so like, um, yeah, you know, like 
I always felt like my influence is a little bit early, but regardless, like I'm able to understand social media because I remember the world before. I remember rotary phones and yeah, fucking dude. playing outside with my friends, Both all that kind of shit, you know? And like, I remember the early 90s, you know? Like I remember grunge music, whatever the fuck that title <laughs> is, you know? And and you realize the world now, there's a lot of shit that, that I don't understand. And so um, the way that social media leads and rules younger people, yeah. that's a little bit alarming. But it, in a healthy dose, you can get interesting stuff. Yeah, there. you can and, use it to your advantage if you're smart enough. So I saw this interview with Seth Rogen. Yeah. And you know what? I don't know if Seth Rogen is a controversial take. He's funny and he's a good writer. I, I think that's pretty universally understood. I think some people don't like him. I don't know. Um, but he said, he's like, the only way that you can really truly fail is if you stop. And that's, that's a paraphrase, you know? Yeah. Um, he's like, if you quit, then that has proven that whatever you're doing yeah. uh, didn't work, you know? But if you keep going, then you're still kind of in pursuit. And so, you know, you don't want that to rule your life. Like you still need to, you still need to live, but you gotta, you gotta find a way to, to balance. You gotta, oh, yeah, you have sure. to keep creating, keep, producing, doing whatever you're doing, and then still gathering new experiences, which requires you to participate in like American life and like yeah. have a job and health insurance, or maybe oh. not health insurance. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, ask a lot of people about that one. Every month I, th I feel like I don't want to pay the bill, but I, I realize that I have It's to. that one time yeah. you don't, I mean, you, you know, you hear the horror stories of people just be, basically being like financially upended forever because of like, you know, one accident or some crazy hospital bill. What's it like? What was the healthcare in China when you were there? I, this is very I, off topic. I, I, I did not have healthcare when I was there, but the, the er, services to going to a hospital are not that expensive. Yeah, I mean, that's like a lot of places if, around the world I've been in. If you need something major, it's incredibly expensive. Mm. They also have some amazing doctors out there. Yeah. Uh, I know a, I know an amazing emergency room uh, doctor in Shanghai. This dude, there was a documentary about him at one point. Not documentary. There was a news piece about him about how he basically like uh, there was saved a, he saved someone's life by sticking their finger in a bullet hole because otherwise like a person, movie. Yeah, yeah <laughs> like and he, he stopped the leak. He's a he's a random guy. I should look that guy up. <laughs> um, but yeah, in Asia, like I would buy travel health insurance. So if I would go to Thailand mm. or I would go somewhere else, I would buy travel insurance. Yeah. But other than that, like I didn't have. Uh, I, I had no coverage in yeah. China and participating in American life. Do you feel like it, it, it takes away a little bit of your juice or something like that? Yeah. I mean, I'm not, this is not my natural habitat. You know, my parents are immigrants. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I remember that. So in some way, the world that I come from doesn't exist anymore. You know, like they're, my dad's from Lithuania, which was the Soviet Union, yeah, which, yeah. which was Poland. Yeah, I know, I know. I was about to say that. Yeah. Um, and uh, my mom is actually my mom grew up in Canada, so I'm like the most Canadian American. What part of Canada? Uh, like five hours north of Toronto. Okay. Like negative yeah. forty. Territory. I've been up. I've been up in some tight, cold ass place. Only time I ever got frostbite was like north of Quebec City, like on my earlobe. That shit was. Rough. Yeah, no, it gets super cold up there, and that just happened to be where my grandparents. Um, just like they oh were refugees God. from the war, you know? yeah, yeah. And so that's where they ended up was in northern Canada. Just northern and, Canada. Woo. Um, but if you're coming from Eastern Europe, it's not that bad of a transition weather-wise. I mean, this is a different time in life. My grandparents are Holocaust survivors, oh, so yeah. like anything. Yeah, is great yeah for of them. course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come this, is, yeah. this is a matter of perspective, and um, yeah. actually, my my mom's mom was always like the. Um, she had the most amazing outlook on life because she survived the war. When yeah, she was yeah. In her early twenties. Uh, you'd have to have them. And uh, she passed before the pandemic. Mm -hmm shortly before the pandemic, oh. but like, uh, 
always th keeping her in mind actually gives me great perspective because she was a huge lover of music and the arts and dancing. She, she went from being a refugee from the war to being a professor at a oh, university. Shit. Like she put herself through college when she was in her twenties and like got a master's degree and, and led like, you know, and so, um, yeah, you know, there's no reason for anyone to complain about shit, yeah. you know? And so like thinking about American life keeps you down. Um, I think for me, it's just a, it, it just wasn't a natural habitat. And then, you know, finally LA sort of clicked. I found a, you need to find a niche here. Yeah. You know, LA is really tough if you're, you can be transient here. There's a lot of people who come and live here for like a year or two trying to make it and do something. Yeah. They burn out. And that's a, you always hear people back east, like, I got to live in LA for a year, yeah. you know? And, um, but if you want to stay here, you got to find your niche. You know, what are you going to do to stay here? Because man, LA is competitive. It's, it's also like you have a lot of people trying to be somebody or trying to make it, whatever that is. And, uh, depending on what you do or what you want to do, what kind of people you like to be around, that can be a really draining energy. Um, you know, in the entertainment industry, separate from art, it's not always made up of the best people, no matter what film, music, whatever, like there can be some real artificial souls walking around. You might have to do business with those kind of people on some level. And that can, that takes a lot of juice out of me. So like it, when I'm chilling in LA, like I, I, I kick with a lot of creatives, but not a lot of, I don't know, trying to make it people if it's not business related for me you know like most of my friends are creative and do shit but they're not like all trying to be you know the star or whatever or not that there's anything wrong with that i guess that's cool um but you know they're it's not a, putting on a show as much it's a different energy man like you brought up comedians before comedians are on a different level and i i i have a lot of respect for comedians and then there's a lot of things that they do that probably are, don't require respect you know? <laughs> But comedians are, I, I've tried to do it before. And I'm stand a, up? Yeah. See, I never would try. I, I tried. And it seems hard. It didn't go well. But the thing is, <laughs> um, I'm not afraid to perform. You know, I'm, I've been getting on stage yeah, since I'm a little kid. It'll help you be up there. So I had no problem at least going to talk to, I don't know, maybe 35 people were there for three minutes, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, you know, I learned a thing or two about trying to get the punchlines. And I'm not a short joke type writer you know and so i really do respect the speed at which they um need to get it's results. all about timing just kind of like music like comedy it's, it's a about, lot of time and it's also about immediate results you have like such a short amount of time to impress yeah. and uh, engage with a group of people and so they live really really fast as well and it is a mile a minute and sometimes it's exhausting and Ugh. i have a friend who is, uh, I have a friend who recently won a Golden Globe. Okay. And I know him from a production and writing background, but he was always an actor at heart. And he's so intensely smart. And the way his mind works, it's like, I can get on the same level with him. It's all right. But he's ready to take on like everyone at once. And it's, it's mighty impressive like uh, to watch that kind of, uh, understanding of your own intellect because because I feel like I have it but at the same time when you see those people who are like truly meant to do the on camera yeah. or stand up thing you notice that there's a little bit difference in the in the speed almost and mm. I'm I'm happy and content to be rather chill and laid back in my yeah. in my early 40s and beyond so there's 
yeah, that 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 energy also can be exhausting if it's mis if it's misdirected and misguided. And I think that's why so many people yeah. in that genre burn out so fast. That's a good point, dude. That's a really good point. I mean, it's like you know, channeling a lot of emotions or whatever. However, you channel it, you put it into your art. You, what you're creating, uh, whether it's like you know, sad emotions, happy, or like ambition or whatever. But when you don't have a place to put it, or you're not channeling it right, it just kind of festers in your in your body and your brain, and it can be tough. And like, especially if you're, you know, people are going out, hanging out at nightclubs, and they didn't get a call back, and they're really trying hard, and they got an agent, this and that, but maybe they're not getting any place to actually do their work or their art or whatever. I don't know. It can just fuck your fuck your head up. You know, I was I was married when I moved to L.A. already, and so I had already had a amazingly wild and rambunctious yeah, 20s and I wouldn't say all of it. <laughs> it does but, never all leave. But you know, you, um, when I moved to LA, I didn't have this whole like era of going out and partying a lot. I certainly, I probably, my drinking habit turned way down when I moved here because you had to drive everywhere. Yeah, it's true. It's a totally different culture. And um, so my life here was never in that realm of like, I've worked in Hollywood but for a very short amount, short amount of time, like in the actual town of Hollywood, yeah, I hardly worst. go there. It sucks, dude. But I that is, never go. yeah, no, there's there's no reason to be there. But that is where the majority and concentration of that type of energy is. You yeah, know? And, for sure. And Los Angeles is a, it's a fascinating place because you realize after I've been here for ten years now, I don't know shit about it. There are so <laughs> many hills and like, yeah, there's definitely parts I don't even know if you told me certain shit. I have no idea what that is. It's like Mulholland Drive, man. Like you're never like, gonna know like everything movie? that's here. Yeah, oh, okay, man. okay, yeah. Good, good drop, good reference. You're never gonna know everything that's here. You know, like every <laughs> every winding road is a different story. So why not be your own? You know, like oh, that's, look at you, dude. That's, that's it. Right? Very poetic, dude. Right. Very poetic. So with like this newfound inspiration, um, like. You know, you, you got a you got a little baby, your father. When is your time to like get down and get busy? Uh, Wednesdays usually. Oh, it's uh, all on the schedule. It's like well, clocked well, in. So Wednesday is a day that I kind of can be a little bit more loose with uh, with my personal and professional life, and a little bit more uh, focus on my creative life. But you got to really maximize those yeah, hours like from that. 8 p.m. to 1 a.m. 8 p.m. to midnight. And Do you so, like nighttime or morning to write? Um, I like morning for proofreading when I wake up and I'm feel fresh like and I can like go back fresh eyes and on see what, get fresh eyes on it and know. I, I make a lot of edits, man. I, I really, do, yeah, I really do, do critique myself a lot harsher than I used to because I know that it can always be better. Yeah. You know, and even as I'm putting these things out now, I'm going to actually pull them down from the internet eventually, and I'm gonna uh, publish them. As oh, a, like as when a you're physical put book. it all together, yeah. And at that point, there will be more edits too, because I'm writing them all out of order. And oh yeah, that's eventually that's how they're I probably going to end up chronologically because they'll probably make the most sense that way. But I, it's there's no hard rules on on how that's going to happen. But yeah, I mean, within the next twelve to eighteen months, I'll probably put that out as Hell a as yeah, a book, dude. and then you know that'll. Um, in that time, I'll have some idea to understand where I'm going with that music project. And so, you know, it's it's about balance and really executing, in, especially in those hours. So I, I have schedules, you know, like I have my schedule for the year of Damn, 2023. You're, you're like planned out. You're not going to get there if you don't really aim for it and know how to do it. That's you know? true. Drada. I do sometimes I put like, you know, different shit up on a, what do you call it, like a bulletin board or like, you know, ideas and you start to visualize it in your head. I don't do like the vision boards per se, but you know. I keep it uh I keep it out there so I can see it, not just up in here. You know, sometimes it just plays over and over in your mind. 
Um, but when's the last time you uh, went to a concert since you're a, as a musician? Yeah, I've been to something. Oh man, I went and saw The Smile. You know The Smile? Nah. The Smile is the latest band from uh, Tom York and Johnny Greenwood from Radiohead. I know, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and they played at the Shrine. Shrine's And tight. that was, yeah, the Shrine is tight. I've seen a couple of really good shows there. And that was last December. Um, like three, four months ago, December. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then I'm I'm about to go see Fish at the oh. Hollywood Bowl. A four hour sound check, baby. Oh man, yeah. it's gonna be it's great, right. dude. I was I was super <laughs> into it um, when I was a teenager and like early twenties, yeah. and then when I started making my own music, I fell off with the whole jam band culture because yeah. I, I, I don't know a lot about that world, but I know people who love it. And, for sure uh, you do. I, it, coming it, from it looks fun. Yeah, and like, I, I kind of wish I could get into it because it looks like motherfuckers have a good old time. And they're just sitting around hitting a goddamn helium tank of nitrous for like five hours listening to maybe the same song you don't know, but they're having a blast. You know, as like as a guitar player or as a instru instrumentalist, um, all four of those guys are crazy players. I understand all the criticisms and like... Oh, I'm just busting walls. Yeah, no, no, no. I just happen to like, just happen to get back into it like in the last two years, you know? And again, it's a lot about reconnecting with yourself, you know, going back and like finding old things and remembering old things and talking to, talking to people. And there's a, there's a friend who I made out in LA and he actually lives in this neighborhood um, and he's super into it. So by oh, becoming shit, you guys friends... going to go together? Uh, we're going to meet up there. Okay. We're going to meet up there and probably roast one. We'll see for sure. <laughs> probably roast one. That's how, I, you, I feel like you have, they might not let you into a fish concert if you're not like blazing at least or taking a few tabs of acid. Like the, you go the, there sober. Is that even? The dude, uh, the buddy of mine who I'm going with is totally straight edge. Well, he's not totally straight. He'll have like a beer once in a Get while. Get crazy with a beer. But yeah, yeah. Whoa. So I don't think it's necessarily required, but he's also an insane guitar player. So he's going to like check Study. out the guitar yeah. angle. I know that, Steve's when you, sometimes I used to go to like live shit and I'd be watching like, or like if I'm reading somebody else's shit, it's not as much for pleasure, but more with like an analytical eye just to see like, oh man, look at this guy's technique or what's he doing? Just soaking the vibe. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. the Hollywood Bowl, man. Yeah, you know, like that's, that's one of my favorite venues out here. I haven't been there enough. I haven't been there in years, which was another big draw to like go. I was like, ah, like yeah, a night yeah. at because the, there's going to be Mastodon's playing the same night. I I got a few homies who work for them, and, a lot of uh, roadies, and they're playing with Gojira, and I was like, man, I should go to this show, but it's the same exact night, and uh, I had to pick one, and oh, I man. I've seen Mastodon at the Palladium before, and it was killer. Oh, the Palladium's big. Palladium's fun. It's a really, yeah. it's a really good venue. But, but for the chance to go to the Hollywood Bowl, that kind of like sorry, it. Mastodon, Fish versus Mastodon, dude. Fish one. It's a hilarious comparison. But again, like I'm, yeah, hey, dude, I got a wide range. Of man. course, man, I like all kinds of different things, except for a couple things. Dubstep. I don't like dubstep. Can we just be clear about that? Or like, I'm not out of whack for not liking that, right? You're not out of whack for not liking it, but I can admit that I've had fun dubstep. at a dubstep night. Two computers, at a club fucking fight. It sounds like the Transformers. No. no. I got you, but I'm saying I've had fun at, look, it's... Uh, oh, no. I mean, there's some good, like, techno music. There's some good shit, for sure. Like, I've, had, I've had fun to some techno before. It's not what I listen to, but, like, you got to be open to new experiences, man. How can you be an artist? How true. can you be a... You know, like, <laughs> Dan is very, like, glass half full. You're so zenned out. I like it. It's good. You're positive. It's like the dad in you now, huh? Uh, it's definitely been a positive thing, for sure. There's no question that, like, at that moment, everything does change. But... Uh, yeah, it's been a great. I'm highly, I'm highly motivated. Yeah, I feel like definitely puts like a different fire behind you. And you I, and I make sure to let people know that too. That you're highly I, motivated. Yeah, because you're not gonna attract things in life if you don't. 
put it out there. Mm. You have to want something and talk about it. It doesn't mean you need to ask for favors and shit like that. But if you want to work hard and you're excited about what you're doing and you're talking about yeah. it, you know what I mean? Like how many people are we reaching out? What's your, what's your range? We got like three, four million listeners here, right? Now people are going to know what I'm doing. Ah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I see what you if, mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're not, not positive if you're not intentions put, of sorts. Yeah. And there's a lot of manifestation in life. So if you're manifesting like darkness and, and stuff, yeah. it's not going to go well for you. That's, That's the truth, you know? Nah. But if you're ready to embrace life and you have something good that keeps you want to do. you kind of focused on that absolutely. too. It kind of keeps it like the front of your, your brain so that you're always maybe wanting to come back to it. It's, it's just not on the back burner. It's not like some little side project it, it just kind of it's, it becomes like your main thing in a good way look if i could if i could only work on my main thing and support myself that way just doing those projects of course that's what i yeah. want to do and in the meantime i have a rather fulfilling life that's still creative in a lot of ways that's you know that's part dude i feel very fortunate in that regard you know I, I used to i used to work for a company down here right right by abbott kinney and it was a it was a writing editing job sort of a pop culture website and when I took the job, it, it didn't pay that great in retrospect, but at the time it was the most money I had made on a salary and I was super stoked. And in the end it was kind of miserable because I had to clock in every day oh, yeah. and commute across town and just sit there and write stuff that I became less and less. It's like you were saying, like yeah. if you're reporting and you're just right, it's a, it's a grind yeah. and artistically you don't want to grind. You want to like refine and mm. create, you That's know, a like a way to put it. And so, um, so yeah, I just, just, I needed to look for a whole new avenue away from writing. And so, you know, I went back to school a little bit. I did like some training courses to go full know. circle kind of dude. Yeah, 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 for sure. That's correct. And so I have a, I'll, I'll explain to you later why I had that weird kind of. Uh, reaction to that, but it's a, no, no. Explain. Oh, you want to get back to it? Go ahead. It's on one of those NDAs, man. Oh, oh, oh cool, cool. This is an after-air conversation. Got, got, oh, cool. a, got a couple of those. That's on the Patreon episode version. I'm Do you use? No, no, I'm joking. <laughs> but see, like this is really interesting, right? Patreon might be a good thing for you. I don't know, like your full yeah. media range, but Patreon. Like, I mean, I could. I just create separate content that's just for that. There's yeah. so many different platforms now, yeah. and so you use Substack. I'm using hands. Substack and I don't know if that's going to be the best, but I do like the format. I think it helps writers engage with other writers. Yeah, it makes you sure. want to support other people. You know, you're like, oh man, they're good. You know, and yeah. you can learn something from someone yeah. or you can learn what not to do. Either way that you're yeah. learning a lesson from somebody else's work, you know, um, or like how, you know, how somebody might be really talented. But you could see how they, how they carry themselves or, or operate like, you know, within their industry and see the, the missteps they make. Like, yo, this, this dude's so talented, but he's fucking blowing it because he's burning bridges left and right or, you know, things like that. And that can be a good way to kind of gauge, like, how am I carrying myself, you know? How, how do the people perceive me or take me in when I, I meet them? Or they don't even meet me, but they, they read shit you've done. Maybe they, they see pictures, but they don't actually know you. And they'll form, you know, their kind of perception of what you're like. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's good and bad, obviously. But in the, in the world today, people are trying to be more creative than ever. Creative is a, a lifestyle at this point. You know, I don't, oh, yeah. I don't claim to really understand Gen Z. I don't bash them outright because I know there's going to be some good that comes out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, but in their generation, it seems like everyone's a creator. In fact, the term creator has been, yeah. you know, the way that it's used in the lexicon is different than it was Content's 25 years creator. ago, you know? Yeah. And, um, 
and obviously there's a lot of shitty content out there because everyone just yeah, wants well, to be about me. Well, the floodgates are open right? too. Like that's the double-edged sword about it. You can do anything you want at home. You can have a home studio. Anybody can participate, but also you get a lot of shit coming. Who's gonna too. listen? Yeah, you know. It's true. And so it's it's weird how there's been some kind of like prophetic look at what the future or the present has become, but in the past, like everyone likes to point out Mike Judge's um, idiocracy, idiocracy, right? Yeah. Like how that became the you know what our culture yeah. is and uh you know those things are obviously signs of irony mike judge is one of the one of the greats actually Office mike, space is fucking shit dude um also on the same level of mike judge i think i'll put wes anderson in that same oh path. yeah we had this the the debate on uh, the twitter i needed to i that that's great that we found a natural way to to turn the tide right there go right into wes anderson I mean, dude, need, don't get me wrong like I like some of his flicks, and and the style of them is is dope and unique. I just felt like sometimes, uh, it's almost like how do I describe it? like like a, it's like a, a blueprint of sorcery. I feel like he's using where he's like, okay, this is the tone, this is the setting, an ambiguous time. We don't really know. Is this the '60s? Is it the '90s? Is it now? It doesn't matter. He creates his own world with it. But I feel like I don't know. Um, very, I don't know how to like not a one trick pony, but. Oh, I, I mean, look, in terms of his aesthetics, he certainly has a very, very specific and distinct, unique visual yeah. style. And I, I happen to really like it. He also has a distinct writing style and tone and character yeah. development. He uses a lot of the same actors. Again, but well, these, I, I like that. These are the kind of things that make him an auteur. You know, these are the kind of things that make him like who he is. I don't like to use the word genius because I think it's an over word, overused word in general. And I think that <laughs> I think that true genius is almost like not possible in some sense. But it, it's very limited in that regard. But I do think he's an excellent uh, film director and writer. I enjoy his films. And um, you were saying like maybe one or two, but I well, think, I was kind of like I think it's got to be five to six. I think that. Uh, Steve Zissou, I think yeah, that's Royal Tenenbaums Those, yeah. are, are excellent films. Royal Tenenbaums is like oddly depressing to me for some weird reason. It's like it feels depressing as fuck. I mean, that's a Life Aquatic's funny. Bottle Rocket's funny. Bottle Rocket's funny. Uh, the Grand Budapest Hotel is an excellent film. Yeah, and I, I think we may have been through this before. And the Fantastic Mr. Fox, the animated one. Yeah. And so animation is really experiencing a huge. I wouldn't even say revival, but just like it's getting more favorite respect cartoon when you were a kid. Thundercats. Thundercats. Nice ball. Yeah, man. that was that's that was dope. You know, I didn't I didn't continue on with uh, too much animation in my life, but then um, a reasonable amount. You know, also by moving to Asia, I got to get yeah. the whole Asian side of animation, and uh, for those kind of things, I, I can't watch them with the English overdub. I have to watch them in with subtitles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I, I, I watch a lot of foreign shit, you know, and I I like like actually like. It forces you to focus and stuff like that. I don't like watching a movie in English with English subtitles. You know how some people do that on top of it? Oh, no way. It's like, well, then you're not watching the film. It this, takes you away yes. from the visual experience. This I know is what the actually fuck you're symptomatic. Saying. For me, I believe it's actually symptomatic. Thank of, you, dude. I'm, I'm, yeah, I yeah. feel me on that. That is one of the big issues on my plate right now. You know, the way that we use our senses, we're able to multitask more than ever. And this is another form of multitasking. It's like, I'm watching a movie, but I'm actually working. And maybe you're not watching the movie. Maybe you're yeah. listening and looking at the subtitles so you think you know what's going on, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it, because there's so much content, everyone wants to be part of the conversation. They want to ingest, 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 ingest so much. And it might not be all the best stuff to ingest. Yeah. You know, like maybe wake up in the morning and like have a little silence and read yeah. a book, go I for a walk. Yeah, first off, Rip, it's like too stimulating to have that gun. 
don't know. Go on, yeah, go on. I, I definitely, because I work in film right now, I don't have too much screen time afterwards. You know, like I'll, I'll watch like two hours of TV a week probably at this wow, point. I just, good. I just don't have time, yeah. you know? And also there's just too much screen time. And then there, well, you're not missing a lot. There's not tons of great shit out. So, well, but I'll also like have a baseball game on in the background and listen to it or maybe like turn around and check out what's going on. That's so cool. it, th- I think it's a little bit different with sports than watching a movie because there's the whole like, you know, sports radio. I used to listen yeah. to games in the car driving yeah. with my old man. I like from, baseball. Like, I used to like to listen to baseball, which sounds odd. No, it's fine. I've listened to tons of baseball games on the on the air because you know, again, like growing up in the '80s, there were 12 channels and most things were on days. radio. It was you know? Simple and easy. You had very. I like having less choices. Sometimes you have so many options and you fucking. It's like at a restaurant, man. A restaurant with a menu that's too big. Yeah, don't trust it, dude. Like Cheesecake yes. Factory, suck my fucking dick. It's like the Bible, dude. Way too long. I've never been to a Cheesecake Good, Factory. Good, because I wouldn't want some trash, dude. Keep that streak alive. That might be the biggest accomplishment you have. That then the kid. 